Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Yeah. Oh, I'm a little bit off-centered on my camera because we weren't going to be able to do camera, but boy, we got that fixed out. Uh, I think that was Zoom that helped us out with that a little bit. Let me just see. Do I move that that way? I don't know. Uh, we got a great show for you today. Hi, Mr. Benny. Hi, Pat. A little fired up today, you know? Are you? Or is it me? Or is it us? Or is it we? Or everyone? It's us. I mean, it's the we. Okay, then. All it right. be the we, uh -huh. right? I think I got the we thing going on. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the things that I wanted to share with everyone that's that's about what we're uh, I'm about to talk about today with Val Walker. One of the things that 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 I want to talk about, first of all, she's written a book. The book is called 400 Friends and No One to Call. Uh, breaking through isolation and building community. Now you're probably thinking to yourself, in the world we live in today, how is it anyone could be experiencing isolation? Well, I could write an entire book just on that aspect of my life. And what I wanna say is when you read this book or you're going to hear from her today, what you're going to find out is what this means and how hard this hits us. And let me just give you a statistic that I've used before. So when you look at divorce rates in this country, and you go look at divorce rates, there's another little statistic in the divorce rate stuff. And it's the one that says, oh, by the way, like the rate of divorce for people with chronic illness is some ridiculously like high number. I mean, it's absurd. It's like, like 80 something percent. So what that's saying is there's isolation, then there's isolation, then there's loneliness, then there's loneliness, and then there's loneliness. And just because what you see here of me on the outside and of Val today on the outside doesn't mean that we have not had to do a significant amount of work. Now, compound that with looking at the addiction and recovery community, which I've been talking about, and, uh, uh, and of course, uh, which the uh, pushy broad from the Bronx talks about. Now you have isolation on steroids. But why is it a thing? Why is it? that this epidemic of loneliness in the face of social media as the, let's just call it the remedy, why is it it's a growing epidemic that we absolutely are not addressing? 
I'll tell you this, once you read the book and what we're about to talk about today and introduce you all to Val, who found herself, this is such a story, found herself stranded and alone after major surgery when her friends didn't show up, just saying, that's a thing. How in the world is that happening today? And why is it when you're in that situation, the, the, the obvious thing that everybody says, why don't you just call somebody? Why don't you just call somebody? Why don't you pick the phone? Why don't you start a group on? Let me just tell you something. Embarrassment, shame, rejection, not enoughness. Oh boy, and I could go on. But Val Walker, because she's been through it, I've been through it. Why do you think I do a show and have an all positive talk radio network for all of you out there? Is because no one should have to do this. Val, welcome. It's great to have you. It's great to be here. I don't think we even understand. You know what this is? I love that you've got this in the book, but I think you know this better than everyone. You know, like the picture of the iceberg, you know, like an iceberg. So, you know, like there's the tip. Like when the Titanic hit the iceberg, it only saw the tip, but the big fat part underneath it is what ripped through the hull. I think that's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I'll run with it with you. Thank you for introducing this whole thing. Well, the thing that I couldn't believe that day I was stranded in the hospital was that, okay, I've been a counselor a rehabilitation counselor for 25 years. I'd already written a book published by Penguin. I was 58 years old. I thought, hey, I've been on this planet for over five decades. I've got a gazillion friends. All right, I thought I was really well connected. I thought I had all the right social skills. And lo and behold, I couldn't get anybody for 11 hours to pick me up from that hospital and I had to pay that person to help me out. The people who were supposed to pick me up, God bless them, I found out two years later, had been dealing with an opioid crisis in their own family. And that'll cause chaos. And let me tell you, families affected by that crisis can be just as isolated as I was in that hospital. So what I started noticing was that even my couple or three of my best friends were just as isolated as I was. They were too strapped, either caregiving for people with special needs or strapped because they didn't have any money to go out or do anything. I started noticing what, what was all around me was that there were a lot of isolated people. But the big thing for me was getting past my own shame and feeling like, you know, if you're a really successful human being, you're supposed to have people pick you up from the hospital. You know, it's like a no-brainer. Why, why wouldn't people count on people like that? And so it was actually comforting for me when I started reading books about and studies on loneliness and social isolation. I was comforted by statistics that showed that two out of five Americans had no one they could talk to when they were having real serious problems. And I started being comforted by all this research, I went, gosh, you know, there needs to be a book about this. I'm not the only one stranded in hospitals. 
I'm not the only one who feels ashamed and embarrassed and humiliated that I don't have people I can count on. And I'm not the only one who has lots of connections, but you just can't count on them. So I was, um, I got started with this book and it turned into compassion. My writing helped me take a sense of compassion. You know, well, I, I got to ask you this question because, you know, I've been able to reflect back after, you know, reading your book. Uh, uh, actually, I read it a couple of times, but I reflected back and I tried to pinpoint the feeling. Do you know what I mean? Because the feeling of loneliness is so painful it is not one of the things that we just want to rush in and call up. That's and a, right. lot of, a lot of times people don't know that they're lonely, right? No. Well, there's a big difference between isolation and loneliness. And I yes. make that distinction early in my book. Okay. Yep. In my case, I was truly isolated. Okay. Yep. Not just lonely. I didn't even know I was lonely when all this was happening. I right. was isolated. Right. And what happens, what causes isolation is real different than loneliness. So we can be isolated by socioeconomic problems, such as money problems, where people are working so much, they don't have time to see their friends. Okay. You can be so strapped as a caregiver that you have no time to have a social life. Just ask any full-time caregiver. Uh, you can be strapped also by illness. In my case, I had an illness and I had a chronic, terrible illness with colitis and that'll wear you out. And you don't feel like chumming, you know, getting out with people when you're having flare ups with an illness. So there are reasons that were isolated and they have really nothing to do with how lonely you feel. Now, loneliness is a reaction, a very common reaction to being isolated and but we can have perceived isolation when we're different than others. And may I go on, I call them the three S's, stigma, the stigma of going, oh my God, I have something that nobody else can relate to. That's one, you know, stigma like that. There's also status. You look at people on Facebook and Instagram, you think everybody's lives look so much more successful than mine. You know, what have I got to show here? So you can compare yourself that makes you lonely. Um, stigma makes you lonely. And so does shame when you're embarrassed and you feel like something's wrong with you. Like, oh, I must have made poor choices in my life. That's what a lot of us think. Did I do something wrong? Is there right. something wrong with my personality? And I right. hate to say it, all the self-help books out there are all about fixing yourself and improving yourself. I wanted to write a book that said, you know what? None of, no more of this fix it up stuff. It's going to be about acceptance. Exactly. And, you know, I got to tell you why I love the book and I love talking to you, Val. It's because I have interviewed close to 10,000 people. Right. And when they ask me, what was the book that I, I got these PR people that are like, come on, dude, write your book. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm having so much fun. So we go through this process of what I should write my book about. And Jessica, my VP of operations, the whole thing, one day we're running remotely in my home. 
because I have a home studio, like an entire back there, like whole room. Of course, I decide to do my show right here because I like the window over there. Um, <laughs> but she finds this black bound, uh, two inch thick book. And she pulls it out and it's got this gold leaf stuff on it, you know, gold leaf that they do on yeah. a leather bound book. Mm -hmm. She looked at me and she said, it's got your name on it. I thought you didn't write a book. Now, this is how devastating this is, isolation and loneliness. When I lost my job in 1991, 24 and a half with the same company, my identity was in this company. Yeah. And I knew people in this company. And when I left, other than my best friend, who is now my producer, who scheduled you, uh, nobody called. Oh, God. Nobody called. It is one of the most stigmatized and devastating events of life, short of chronic illness. And it's happening. And just to be clear, what's happening right now Right. It isn't just about COVID-19 and what do they call it? Shelter and home? Shelter. What is it? Shelter, shelter at place. home. So, shelter thank you, place, Benny. Yeah. Shelter, shelter in place. That's one aspect of it. But then there is shelter in place. You're not well. Shelter in place. I've just been laid off. Shelter in place. Dot, 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 dot. And people are wondering why people that are sheltering in place aren't picking up the phone and calling other people. Aren't we part and smack dab in the middle of the stigma, the shame right now? Well, especially if you've been lonely and felt these ways before, oh. it magnifies it. it. That's the thing. And I'm so glad my book came out now to say, you know what? You're not the only one. And please... <laughs> Don't I was wondering how you <laughs> I was wondering how you got the book out. I was saying to Linda, how did she get this book out now? Because you know, I know that right? Yeah, I, I I actually am amazed. And at first I was like, oh my God, my book was all about getting out how to make friends, how to volunteer in your community, how to find support groups, how to build community. But you know, at the heart of this book. It's really about working with your attitude to getting out there and being an advocate and a compassionate advocate for also other people isolated like you. You know, we don't just do this for ourselves. No. There's an epidemic of loneliness and this compounds it. But I have one good thing to say about this. I notice people are reaching out and having real conversations yep. Necessity's the mother of invention. <laughs> it's one of yeah. my favorites. And lo and behold, I think people are saying, what have I got to lose? We're, we're all kind of equal in this horrible thing. Yeah. You know, we're all basically suffering in the same way. So not yeah. that we should compare ourselves, but I do believe a lot of us feel we don't have much choice right now but to get through it, kind of muddle through it. 
Well, one of the things is, I think I see more people reaching out than I've seen in a long time. Maybe like after 9-11. Exactly. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we're going to make that adjustment to uh, Val's headset. She's got one. She's got a headset like me. That's why I had to go old school with this headset, Val, is because I could never get those to stay in. I um, get too animated. They pop I, out. Exactly. <laughs> There she is. We got her back, Betty. It's like, uh, you know, the story of the headset. But you know what I love about that? It's like we just keep rolling. And, you know, this is one of the things I, I think is so important. In your book, what, what I want to make sure people know is that this is a roadmap. It's a book that addresses loneliness for sure, what we're talking about but it's also a roadmap. It's also the thing that says, look, this is what I discovered. This is what we can do. Um, you list what some of the common causes of social isolation are. And you know, I, I don't wanna sound sort of like I, I'm in a kindergarten class for myself, but when I was at my worst, I didn't know. I didn't know what was going on. Right. I, I didn't know that I was immobilized. You know, I didn't know that I couldn't get off the couch. You know, I didn't know there was a dynamic going on. And I hope now we're taking the time to reach out to people, right? But you said something that I want to talk about. Illness. We think when people are ill, they're surrounded by friends and family. That's what we think. Huge assumption. Yeah. But it's not correct. Not everybody has a community of people. And certainly now, that's just not happening now in the traditional way. But it doesn't mean we still can't reach out. You know, let me just tell you something. I play ping pong. They, and my listeners have heard me talk about this. So I play ping pong up in Everett. Do you know that the place that I play up, the Carl Gibson Center up in Everett, do you know that there is a woman that calls me at least once a week? From, they're out. They're not working but calls, has called every member just to see how we're doing. So even your ping pong buddy can be really vital. And that was a big message. It might not be someone in your family or your closest friends. Find people in the wider community you would be surprised how many people want to help. And it goes both ways. Great example. I got to tell you. My buddy, my ping pong buddy, no, yeah. I can't, I can't beat him. Uh, Howard has called me a dozen times, but what did it take for you? I, I want to talk about this for a minute mm. because first of all, I'm a super introvert. That doesn't really help. I, I really am. People think you're not, I am. When I'm done with these shows this morning, a full day of shows, meeting with clients and hosts and people. You can't find me, <laughs> right? But what can we say as a first step 
to get out of the gate here. Can I take that to tell, I would love to share my Boston not so strong story. Yeah, <laughs> do it. I, that was when I had a revelation. I was dealing with my chronic colitis. I was dealing with my own social anxiety and I do have PTSD and a lot of anxiety in my little person, personal makeup, which makes me really good with other sensitive people, but as a counselor, but I deal with it myself. So long story made short, I had just moved to Boston. After that horrible experience in the hospital, I said, mass will save my ass is pretty much was my motto <laughs> because there I could find much better jobs and get a fresh start. So I got a really good job when I first got to Boston in 2013 in the spring. And, uh, but my coworkers really didn't like me. Um, a lot of them were a good deal younger millennials. I was heading towards 60. Um, they were multitaskers. I was not a multitasker. I was fastidious. I drove them nuts. I was really introverted. And um, then along came one month after that job started, the Boston Marathon bombing happened. And we couldn't go to work for, um, well, it was a good several days. We could not go to work. And I finally, when I returned to work, I noticed this particular woman, Pat, she, she just wasn't herself. She wasn't her usual gossipy kind of self. She was just staring at the wall and looking terrible. And I tried to stay away from her, but I felt bad for her. Yeah. I sensed something was wrong. So I approached her and I asked, I just checked in with her and asked how she was. And she said, I feel really crappy. And it just seemed like the floodgates opened. She wanted to tell me that her son who was only about 19, had been at the marathon watching his friend and his friend got blown up. His friend got very injured. And her son was too scared and felt too helpless about going to Mass General Hospital to go see his friend. So this woman, Pat, told me, I said, I just don't know what to do, she said to me. And, and you know what I said to her? It just came out of me was just compassion, you know, I couldn't help myself. She was so desperate. I didn't tell her exactly what had happened to me in the hospital, mm -hmm. but I said, there's nothing worse than lying in a hospital, feeling like no one cares about you and no one showing up. And that hit Pat really hard. She said, you know what? I'm gonna get that son of mine to go see his friend, come hell or high water, I'm gonna get him to go, <laughs> even if I have to take him. And about a week later, Pat came up to me and said, Val, thank you so much. From what you said, I got him to go. And he went and he didn't know what to say. He was a nervous wreck, but his friend was so glad to see him and they didn't even know what to say. And he said, you know what? His friend introduced him to the other guys who got bombed and they all became friends and started partying together in the hospital. Yeah. So lo and behold, this son told Pat, told me and this is the theme of the whole book <laughs> okay you don't boston strong doesn't mean being strong it just means showing up and you don't have to be strong to i'm show rob up. so it's all about showing up and we always feel like we have to be qualified to show up right and i'm finding out any kind of presence any if you just have caring and curiosity those two things 
caring in your heart for somebody else and curiosity, it'll pull you out of your shell. And even if you're isolated, somehow you'll find the words, you know, it's, it's, for me, it was almost a spiritual experience. Thank you for hearing my story. I'm so glad you shared that <laughs> because when I think about what it takes sometimes for some of us to really participate, you know, it's interesting. I was talking to somebody the other day and they asked me, they said, what have you learned from the recovery community? You know, what have you learned from the people that practice what they do, sober community, recovery community? And my answer was, do you know what the antidote is that they use for people that come in and can't find their way out of a paper bag? Service. Doing something Service. for another right? Even if you can't speak after a week of not taking a drink or a drug, service. Yeah. And that is a form of community that if you don't understand it, or somebody is not guiding you to it, you don't know it could be that little pill right? Red pill, blue pill. It will be the pill, the little thing that could get you to move. When we come back, 400 friends and no one to call. It's more than the story that Val just told. It is identifying a complete epidemic that's happening worldwide, but it ha it's in this country in particular. And it is the one Thing that when my friends go and do concerts at senior centers and hospitals, it is the one thing they point to, to cheer people up, seeing another face. When we come back, we're going to talk about exactly what you can do for yourself or another to help break through the isolation and what's Val's version of building community? Wait till you hear this. We all got to get on board with this. Let's take a short break, everybody. We'll be right back. Have you heard the story of the snake and the rope? One evening, a young woman was walking down a country road. It was growing dark. Suddenly, she froze. Up ahead was a coiled snake. She was terrified. She reached into her bag for a flashlight and directed the beam of light towards the snake. Now she was flooded with relief. It was just a piece of old rope. That snake stands for all our imaginary fears and insecurities that sap our confidence. The beam of light is conscious confidence. Ask yourself, how many snakes did I see today? How many actions or words did I stifle through fear? Hi, I'm Sarah Main, creator of Conscious Confidence. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Pat, for Conscious Confidence Radio on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Learn more about how you can live a life filled with conscious confidence. Go to my website, ConsciousConfidence.com. What is a brilliant culture and how do we create them? Why are they important? 
Claudette Rowley has created a breakthrough five-step process to help you align your culture with your business strategy for exceptional results. Looking for a culture that drives organizational excellence? Listen to Cultural Brilliance Radio, the second and fourth Friday of each month at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern on Transformation Talk Radio. To learn more or work with Claudette, visit culturalbrilliance.com. Did you know that when we talk about the Earth's ecosystems, the most important ecosystem has been left out? You, we created the ecosystem approach to recapture human potential. Find us at theecosystemapproach.org. Join us every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time for the Ecosystem Approach Show with Jason and Patricia on TransformationTalkRadio.com. A word of caution, if you prefer the status quo and you are not interested in improving every aspect of your life, this book will trigger the shift out of you. The Truth is Funny, Shift Happens is available now. Author Colette Steffen brings the powerful knowledge and life-changing energy and empowerment from the radio airwaves to the pages of her new book. To get your copy in paperback or ebook, visit thetruthisfunny.com today. Some people dream of freedom before they know it even once. What happens when we find ourselves in unimaginable freedom? Retired, children are grown, we've moved on from caregiving, and don't know what to do with all that time you never had before. Well, it's your life. It's up to you now. On the hit new show, Fresh Courage, it's your time to shine with host Sharon Rolfe on TransformationTalkRadio.com. So Benny knows this about me. Benny knows this. All right, go for it, Pat. Yeah, here we go. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's either yes or no. <laughs> 50, 50 here, here, on this we, one. here we go. I'll get ready. Val Walker, very special guest today. This book is so needed <laughs> for all of you that are listening and you're watching. You see this mm-hmm, book? Mm-hmm. Now, Benny, Val mm-hmm. did not say, oh, I got to take care of this now. This book probably had started two years ago or so. But here it is today. Right, Val? Am I right? And here it is. But Benny, you know this about me. You could tell that I have had a lonely past, right? Why? Because Benny will get a text message. Just no kidding. Benny will get a text message where I say, can you play Creep by Radiohead? I have to pray that during the break. Benny, play Creep by Radiohead. All right, I'll grab it. Benny, can you play Break It to Me Gently by Juice Newton? (laughs) Or Benny, can you play... Like, so do you hear these songs, right? Because even though I'm not that person that struggled with my own isolation, loneliness, wanted to comfort myself, right? Because that's what we're doing now. You know what I'm saying, Val, we're doing it now. We're like, give me comfort. Give me the food. Give me the, give me anything, anything, but, but have me deal about this. But in your book, during the break, I flipped over to the back part of the book. And I, and, and I want to talk about this. I also shared with you, I could pinpoint my first moments of loneliness right? I can pinpoint them at a very young age, but I didn't know it. And so what you're doing 
by literally ripping the veil off of this is one allowing us to say, yes, I do feel that. And number two, now that I feel it, Val and what she has written and the community, there's a way to get out of it. And that's what I'm, what I'm saying. Yes, this is gut-wrenching to hear some of this, but two, you have figured out a way out of it. Before we go ahead, how do people get a copy of the book? Um, and also, how do they find out more about you? Thanks for asking. Well, it's definitely on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all the major booksellers, independent sellers. It's wide. It's distributed widely by Central Recovery Press. So it's out there. It's also in Audible. It's it, There's an audio form of the book, and, and also it's on Kindle. So it's out there. <laughs> and my website is just real simple, valwalkerauthor.com. I also write for Psychology Today. I have my own blog, similar to the title of my book. Um, it's more like, who are you going to call? <laughs> 400 friends, but who do I call? That's the name of my Psychology Today blog. Look, um, I am the owner of a Positive Talk Radio Network, and this is like a 16-year journey. But even though that's true, I love what you were saying to me during the break. There has to be something about my childhood. I was homeless at 17. There has to be something about all of that when you put it all together, right? You know, even to the point when my mom died and my dad remarried, uh, we, I, we weren't allowed to see our old past relatives. And so there is this thing that I'm acutely aware of now, and I understand how it shaped me. But can our life experiences show us the pathway to yeah. end our loneliness and isolation? Well, I would love to let everyone know that a great theme developed from my story and many other people's stories in the book, and that is the thing that isolates you can be a way to unite you with other people. If you find people who have been isolated by the same thing, in my case, it was colitis and all the social problems caused by having an inflammatory bowel disease that can really mess up some relationship time. Um, finding common, uh, the same things that made us feel vulnerable and isolated when we got together in a support group and told our stories just broke us out of our isolation. We, so I began seeing many of the people in my book who told stories about breaking out of isolation is that they found others who had been isolated by the same things. And it built a common galvanizing force to build community around that. Let me give you a great example. Robin Houston Bean, her son died of an overdose, an opioid overdose. And at first she was enormously isolated. She, had, she was a very extroverted woman. She was, she was just completely tr a couch potato, as she said. She just absolutely didn't even know herself anymore after the death of her son. And she isolated for quite a long time with her grief. She just, she just couldn't be around people because she wasn't herself anymore. She didn't even know who she was. 
And step by step, she began breaking out of her isolation. And the first way was finding a therapist who specialized in grief because her husband and members of her family didn't understand how she was coping with her grief. You know, you're not the same mom. You're not the same person I know. So she found a therapist who she felt safe with to talk about her feelings and basically not feel ashamed of her grief. And then from that, she found someone on Facebook who had been through uh, the death of her child and they connected through Facebook. And then before you knew it, they met at the cemetery where both of their adult children had been buried in the same cemetery. And they met there and they just had a breakthrough together as friends. They discovered each other through their grief. And then they began to turn their grief into a sense of purpose. And they started going to support groups and learning how to start their own support groups. And to make a year's story go on, Robin ended up starting her own support group and building her own community around families who had suffered from an overdose. And she's very well known now in the Braintree, Massachusetts area. And uh, she, she has the Sun Will Shine Foundation, which is what her son always believed, the sun will rise, um, you know. So there you have a person who had their grief, isolated by their grief, got support. Now, a big theme in my book is find at least one person you can talk to and be vulnerable with if you yeah. like a safe person. You know, we can't do this by ourselves. So the first step in breaking out of isolation, if you're lucky and there's some long lost friend or sweet aunt across the country or some loving, very comforting person you can share with, go for that. You know, if you have that, if you have a confidant. If you don't, you can find therapy. And now therapists are doing teletherapy. It's more accessible than ever. Um, you can call some wonderful helplines and hotlines and crisis lines to locate a therapy for therapy for you. Um, so whatever you do, you need to start talking to at least one person. Because like, like we were saying, the stigma, we're so ashamed of being full of all these feelings and not knowing ourselves. Remember grief or having a great force in our life, change our life that we're ashamed of. Well, we're isolated because we feel so different, not just from the people we know, but from who we used to be. Right. We're different from, from who we know of ourselves. So as a rehabilitation counselor and as somebody who's been through this personally, starting with just one safe person, and then believe it or not, you start to find other people around, maybe through a support group or a Facebook group or an association or um, there are lots of ways to find support groups. Call 211, call United Way. There are ways to find support groups. Go to 12-step groups. And you start building support by the things that isolated you, what you have in common. And you'll find one thing leads to another. And then maybe volunteering. Volunteering is a huge way. Giving to your community builds you're working on a sense of purpose, sense of mission, and you can feel united with other people who care about the same things. Again, the force that isolated you, say the opioid crisis, or whether it was an illness, in my case, colitis, whatever that force was, you can build community around that, fighting it together. Yeah. 
I, this is really, after going through the book, and of course now having to get to know you now, this is the conversation about not just what it takes to break through isolation, but what happens when you do. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, what does your life look like now that you have broken through isolation? We're going to be right back, everybody. Stuck in a roundabout of dysfunction? Stop circling around difficult issues and find out what's been holding you back. Learn how to speak your truth to power with host Dr. Kathy O'Bear. Create real change with smart tools and smart strategies. No frills, no fluff, just life-changing conversations to help get you where you want to be. Extend your reach and become an agent for real change with Kathy O'Bear. For more information on Kathy and her work, please visit drkathyobear.com. That's drkathyobear.com. Are you ready to put down that drink or drug for good? Are you struggling to maintain your recovery from addictive behaviors? Do you need help with a family member or loved one who's in early recovery or battling addiction? Get the help and guidance you need by arranging a recovery recharged phone session with me, Ellen Stewart, Pushy Broad from the Bronx, Certified Life and Recovery Coach. Call 1-800-889-1757. Make an appointment today or go to my website, pushybroadfromthebronx.com and click on the link that says Recovery Recharged. Don't wait. Get the help you need today. This is Ellen Stewart, Pushy Broad from the Bronx on transformationtalkradio.com. Hi, I'm Laura Meeks, and the most common problem that my clients face is all work and no play. This is why I created Fly High Living. I help you develop a balanced life plan and guide you to a place where you love to wake up in the morning. Call 888-666-1570 or go to flyhighliving.com to sign up for the four-week Flight Plan for Life course. Are you ready to transform your life and embrace magical experiences? Talking to Tannis with your host, Tannis McRae, is here to help you find your joy in life. Tune in live every first and third Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Let's awaken your experience and create the change necessary to take back your right to choose who you are. For more about Tannis, visit TalkingToTannis.com. This is Kimberly Carlson, and I would love for you to tune in to All In Healing Radio, where together we will begin to experience health, happiness, and harmony in all areas and aspects of life. Join us every first Tuesday of the month at 11 a.m. on TransformationTalkRadio.com. All In Healing will help you release layers of negative beliefs and energies for radiant health, deep joy, and greater abundance. Visit me at KimberlyCarlson.com. Yeah, so that's all. That's a song that represents, because uh, I was asked about this song, how, what does it mean to me? That is the song that represents how I felt about myself for most of my life. And to look at me now, people are like, really, Pat? Not really. Well, yeah. And that's another show. 
and another story. But we, those people that we're referencing, some of you are those people, those of us that have been ill, those of us that, you know, for whatever reason have experienced what Val is talking about, there's a story and there's a, and there's a rainbow. Uh, and let's talk about the rainbow, but first Val, um, Val Walker, the author of 400 Friends and No One to Call. How do people get a copy of the book again and how do they find out about you? Certainly all major bookstores, certainly on Amazon. It's also in Audible audio copies as well as Kindle, Barnes and Noble, Books and Mail, and all the major outlets and independent stores. And my website is valwalkerauthor.com. Thank you, Val. I want to talk to you uh, because you cover this in the book as well. And it's when you get across the bridge, so to speak, mm -hmm. or at least, first of all, you see that there is across the bridge, but you actually get across there and you're able to make changes. Mm -hmm. What does life then look like? Well, first, I want to say when you're trying to build community and new friends, it's something that takes a long time. Now, one problem with our social media culture, we expect everything to happen quickly and instantly. It takes years, not just one or two, it can take a few years to build solid friendships. So if you're doing activities that last far more than just a few months, but that might be at least a year or two to establish a relationship with somebody. So say you're volunteering two or three times a month somewhere, don't just do it for a couple of months. It needs to go on a while to build people in your life. Same with support groups and a lot of things you do, even a class or a study group, something that will take you for a year or two on a much longer trajectory. Trajectory. We need time to build friendships. So what happened to me is it took a good six years after starting from scratch in Boston in 2013 and by 20, uh, 2019, I had cancer surgery. So fast forward six years later, yes, I was back in the hospital. I had thyroid cancer, I, I had surgery, and I had, guess what, friends, friends at the ready. And I wasn't the least bit shy about lining up my friends. I organized it and people did come through and I worked hard over those six years not that I thought I'd end up getting cancer, but I mean, I worked hard those six years building solid relationships. And you know what? We, we went back and forth. I helped them out. I had helped my friends move. I had taken care of my friend's cat. I had helped write resumes for friends, <laughs> you know? So it was a lot we had invested in. It's like a, you know, it's like a social safety net. So before in Maine, when I was stuck in that hospital back in 2012, before I moved my sorry little self to Boston, yeah, I only had a couple of friends. Wow. I loved it. I was such a nice little introvert. I loved only having a couple of friends and a couple of cats. And what more does a girl need? You know, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd had a really bad marriage and, you know, I, I was done with people in my 50s. I had enough of people. But my God, in my 60s, as I get older, boy, do I need beyond just the, those two or three friends. And so now I have like a whole network and um, they do anything. I do anything for them. And it's such a great feeling. 
It gives you such peace of mind more than any money counts. It's that solid social fabric of support. And damn, if I didn't put my time into it. And I didn't give up on some friends too. There were some people who dropped out of my life. You know, the one who no-showed on me in the hospital? Yeah. Back, the one in back in 2012 who didn't show? Yeah. Well, I found out she had a stroke. And one of the reasons she had disappeared in my life, besides that day, she had a crisis with her family that day. But later on, I realized, you know, I had no reason to be angry at her. I forgave her. I realized she had had a stroke. She was so glad to see me. So a big message I have here is reach out to your long lost friends. Even if you thought you'd outgrown them or they'd let you down, you might be surprised during the coronavirus and the age of coronavirus. There are a lot of wonderful long lost people in your life. So my book was also about rediscovery, that there are people who've been comforting in your life, even in your teens or young years and rediscover them. It's a wonderful thing. I think that what you're sharing, if I demonstrating what you've actually done is this is the message I think that folks are really longing for now. You know, it's one thing for, you know, us to talk about, you know, these are the 10 things you could do, but you're representing what it's like to have been down the rabbit hole of isolation and loneliness and, you know, and I'll add despair to that because that's Mm -hmm. another offshoot that comes in. Mm -hmm. Um, Hopelessness also comes in. Um, And these are things that can happen from lifetime events or a single event. Right. And so I think a misconception might be is that, well, these are just the folks that have really had a tough life, but it doesn't take much to demonstrate how vulnerable we are with this, I don't think. And social media just can't capture that real, honest to God, human experience. You know, the people who are proven to be the loneliness, loneliest out there, I've read a lot of studies on groups of really lonely people. Did you know that social media can make a lonely person even lonelier because they get so dependent on that social media I don't want to call it an addiction, but fair enough, it's a dependency. And you think you've got some kind of replacement somehow for human connection. Um, Those people are the most vulnerable to feeling rejected and hurt when they try to come back out. So it's like a vicious downward spiral. Yeah, We can get more and more sucked into social media and we become more and more avoidant what my book really emphasizes too is when you find that one safe person even if it has to be a therapist or it's a minister or it's a mentor a wonderful person down your neighbor even if it's that one person what you have a chance to do with that person is practice talking again just having conversation skills so many of us lose our ability just to talk believe it or not and especially generation z and millennials who are supposedly the most isolated now. Cigna did a big study. A lot of people who are isolated are under 30 years old. Yep, that's right. And they they feel awkward and uh, socially anxious around trying to have conversations. Um, They're not in practice with that. So 
I'm highly, I'm praying that during the age of coronavirus, folks will be getting their um, back into practice with the art of conversation again. It might make life easier. I hope if, so. I'll tell you, if nothing else, it's really giving folks a new level of awareness about themselves. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm like you. I hope folks find that thing that will help them. Because yeah. there is a discomfort that starts to show up first, right? You, you know, it's not like you go from A to B in a quick second, although that can happen. You know, you have different signs that show up within each of us that can point to we're on the path. We're on that path of getting hit really hard. Um, Val, I want to thank you so much for today. Again, let folks know how to get a copy of the book, how to find out about you. And then I'd also like to know what your personal message is. What would you like to leave us with today? Well, I would like to say that showing up is, is really what it's all about. And you don't have to know what to say or do. And it makes you feel better. There's also a great way when we feel that we can be helpful to someone, it makes us feel less helpless about our lives. Yeah. So a big message for me is when you do any small thing to help somebody else, you feel less helpless, less anxious, less grief when you can do something. Boy, that's powerful. Um, everyone, Val Walker, this is the book, 400 Friends and No One to Call. Uh, it is filled with information, stories, and ways to really break the cycle. Building community and building community in your way is so important. Val, thank you so much for today. Thank you. I want to thank uh, Benny. I want to thank Olivia and everybody out there for tuning us in and turning us on. We know, we know what you're going through and we do care. We'll see you next time.